this morning. Amen. All good? Praise the Lord for His goodness. Praise the Lord for the worship today. Both services have been phenomenal. We praise God for all that He continues to do in the life of Mount Pleasant. Uh, and we have been going through the book of Philippians, and today we come to the end of the book of Philippians. And so it saddens me somewhat uh, to come to this point, but it has been a great. I have enjoyed it. I hope that you have uh, as well. And so we're looking, as you remember, we have been looking at the, the, the theme for the whole series was a binding focus for His glory. And we're reminded that if our focus is the same, the focus being Jesus Christ, and that is what binds us together as believers, He being the focus. And so that continues today as we look at the idea of the gospel supply, the gospel supply. And we think about supplies, and we think about all the supplies that have gone already because of Hurricane Florence, and now supplies that are going to go uh, for Hurricane Michael as well. A lot of uh, things that have, will need to take place to help people uh, who have been in difficult situations. People have provided all across our nation, and as you, some of you have even provided. And we think about the word provide. Provide comes from two Latin words, uh, pro and vide. Uh, pro means a forward or front of, where we get words like proceed or progress. And, and uh, vide is what means to see. Uh, where we get words like video or view. So provide means to look ahead. And so to make provision for anything, that means we must plan ahead. Uh, for instance, I know that there's some, as, I, as I come in the church this morning, I, I like to just walk the halls uh, upstairs and downstairs. And uh, as I walk through the halls, I, I smell this wonderful aroma. It's called coffee yes and so someone in different classes has 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 gone looked ahead uh, knew what needed to be done and has provided the coffee for the people uh, as they come in their classrooms you got to love that amen uh, especially as we gather together uh, but as we think about a provision uh, we look at this what Paul is is saying here to the church at Philippi and he is thanking them for their provision of the gift of some money that they had sent to him through Epaphroditus. So this, is, this really is a thank you letter uh, in, in general, but there's more to it, of course, than as we have seen throughout the whole book. Uh, but as Paul thank yous here in the last uh, part of this, he thank, gives a thank you to the Philippians. He knows and we see that the Lord ultimately is the true provider of the supply. So we know that the Lord is the provider of Paul, but also the Lord is the provider for us as well. So we know that the Lord has looked ahead and he saw our need and he has provided our supply. We're going to see that this morning as he has provided all that we need in abundance. Y'all with me this morning? He has provided all that we need in abundance. Abundance. So we're going to see that here, acknowledge that in our own lives, whatever that looks like. And we're going to praise and worship him for all that he has done and express our gratitude to him with the very lives in which we live. And so what I'd like to do now is I'd like to read for us Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10, going through 23. Finish out the chapter and honor reverence to the word of God. If you'd please stand uh, as I read this passage for us today. The Bible says this, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. 
I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Father, we pray that you'd be with us as we come to this time of our service where we hear the word proclaimed. And we pray, Lord, that you would provide what I need, uh, Lord, according to the riches in glory by Christ Jesus, to be able to proclaim the word as you've laid it on my heart. I pray, Father, for all of us to receive that which you desire for us to receive, uh, the supply that you have for each of us, even as we're gathered here today, whether it's a word uh, from your word or something we've already heard. But, Lord, we thank you that you know all of our needs, but we know also, Father, that you know our greatest need. And you've provided that for us. Lord, help us to understand what that is and see that today. And I pray, Father, that you'd be with us as we hear from you, Lord, in the reading of your word, the proclaiming of your word. I pray, Father, that you'd touch for those of us who know you as Savior, that it'd be a time of renewal and remembrance. But also for those of us who do not know you, maybe a time of calling them to yourself, Lord, for salvation. But Lord, may you have your way in all of our hearts. And I pray, Father that the words in my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Well, you see the outline uh, in the bulletin today, and we're going to follow along in that as we move along in the message this morning. And we'll see this idea of the gospel supply. And the first thing that we want to see here is found in verse 10, and that's abundant care. The abundant care. And we read verse 10, Paul says this, he's writing, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write to the church of Philippi. Even though it's a letter to the church of Philippi, it really is a letter for us as well as uh, believers. And so he says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Notice that he says there, even though he recognizes that he is thanking the church there at Philippi for their gift, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me uh, has flourished. He recognizes that the gift has come from them, but ultimately the gift has come from the Lord. He rejoices in the Lord for that which he has received from the church at Philippi. Now understand that Paul absolutely loved the church at Philippi. He loved the Philippians. I hope that you've seen that as we've read through uh, this letter. And he was grateful to them for their financial gift to them. And they had, the church at Philippi had wanted to give to help Paul financially, but they did not have the opportunity for some reason, as he says there, uh, that they had lacked opportunity. We don't know if they, uh, they didn't have the person to send at the right time or what the case may have been. But he says here, but uh, your care for me has flourished again. 
uh, that has blossomed, that has risen up, you know, uh, and, and, and maybe in your house, sometimes if you have plants and they haven't been watered, you'll see that they droop. But if, maybe that doesn't happen in your houses, I don't know. Uh, but if they don't have enough water, sometimes they'll droop. But if you go and you put some water into them, they flourish, they come back. And that's the word that's being used here is that their care has flourished again uh, for the apostle Paul. But he, we see here that the Lord used the Philippians to meet Paul's needs, that Paul was grateful for the church's faithfulness, but he knew that the Lord is, their, is his supplier, that he rejoiced in the Lord and that this was a blessing to him from God through God's people. You skip down to verse 14 through 16 and you see more of what he has to say about uh, the gift in which they've given to the care that he has been received now uh, through the Lord, through, from the Lord through the Philippians. He says, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only, for an even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. So he's saying, look, you you all have shared in my distress and in my need. You have helped me in my need. And he says even there in verse 14 that you have done well. That literally means that what you have done, you have done a beautiful thing for me. They cared for him. Well, what did that look like? Of course, we know that that was financial, that they were helping him financially. But also along with that financial, as, as the people are sending this money to help the Apostle Paul with the necessities, there is encouragement that comes with that too. You know what I'm talking about? When you have some, a need uh, and uh, the Lord provides financially through someone, that, that helps you, but it encourages you as well. Can I get an amen there? Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. All right, so, so it brought encouragement. So the financial aspect certainly did help him, but also the encouragement brought to him was there as well. He also knew that through this, they would be fellow partakers with him in the gospel as they're helping him and he's ministering and doing things for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're fellow partakers with him in the gospel. As a matter of fact, in verse 17, he says, not that I seek the gift, and Paul was not looking to ask for money in any measure or any way, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He said, I wasn't looking for the gift, but I'm looking for you to be blessed. He said, God has blessed me through you. Now he will bless you. So I seek the fruit that abounds to your account, he says. And if it abounds to your account, that's an accounting term. So it's interest which may accumulate to your account is what he's talking about here. And he's talking about, in other words, because of their investment, there would be a reward for their stewardship. Because they had invested in the ministry and invested in what God was doing through Paul there would be a reward for their being good stewards of that money. Now, I'm not sure what that looked like in the lives of those Philippians, but I know what it didn't look like. I know it wasn't this. I know that the Philippians didn't think to themselves, you know what, if we give the Apostle Paul a 100 talents, then God's going to give us a 1,000 talents in return. That's not what that meant by any measure. That's not what that meant. But more likely, it meant that the Lord would supply their needs. And they found that they were blessed to have participated in the work of God, and then also there would be reward in heaven for for them being fellow partakers in the gospel. So their care for Paul in sending this money was a blessing, it was beautiful, it was an investment, and also it was sacrificial. 
In verse 18 it says, Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. He says, I, I have all and abound. I am full and I have received this from Epaphroditus. So if, you, if the Philippians need it, and I don't think they need it, but if they needed a receipt, this is the receipt. I have received this from Epaphroditus on your behalf. And so he sees that and he tells them that this gift to him was a sacrificial gift. Not only was it a sacrificial gift to Paul, but as a sacrificial gift that they were giving to the Lord for Paul. We see that when he talks about there that it's a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, certainly the people will have understood that as they read that, they would think of the Old Testament sacrifices where the aromas of the sacrifices were lifted to the Lord because they would have known that this which they have done for Paul was a sacred gift. He acknowledges their acceptable sacrifice. And indeed, it was a sacrifice for the church at Philippi to give of their finances to help Paul because they were not very wealthy at all. They were poor people. As a matter of fact, it tells us in 2 Corinthians, Paul writing to the church at Corinth talks about what what sacrifices these people made in order to give to the ministry in which he is taking part in 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 chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. In the NIV, it reads like this, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Philippi is a Macedonian church. In the midst of a very severe trial, notice this, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. He points to the Philippians here in in Corinthians and says, look at what these guys have done. They have given sacrificially for the Lord on my behalf. They have given to the Lord, they've given to me. And and it was beyond their ability sharing, and they did so with, for the privilege of sharing in this service, of, of doing kingdom work. So it was a sacrifice and a, a sweet-smelling aroma to God as to what these Philippians had done, giving beyond their ability to help the in kingdom work of helping the Apostle Paul with the necessities to encourage him, but also to help him financially. And he says it was well-pleasing to God. You see, giving in this manner was a true act of worship. As they gave, they gave as an act of worship to God. It was an act of love for Paul, as we said, but also an act of love to, for the Lord. You see, Hebrews 13, verse 16 does tell us that not to forget to do good and to share for all with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So we see this, and we see how Paul is thankful for uh, the church and what they have given financially uh, to him. And you say, well, but wait a minute, Pastor. You're talking about how God supplies, how he is the provider. This is, a, this is great about what the church has done here, but you said the Lord is the one who gives us the abundant care. You, you said you, that the Lord is the one who gives the supplies. He's the one who supplies. So wh- how do you deal with that? Well, you're true. That's exactly right. That's very true. I mean, after all, I mean, who do you think laid it on the hearts of the people to give to the Apostle Paul? I mean, who do you think knew what Paul needed and when he needed it? Who do you think supplied the people? Listen, who do you think 
supplied the people with the breath in their bodies and the strength to work in order to provide the money that was to go to the Apostle Paul. Man, that was the Lord, amen? Come on now. That's who it was. It was the Lord who provided that for them. The Lord knows exactly what, they, what he needed and when he needed it. Well, wait a minute. You mean, do you think that you have what you do because of you? Because you don't. You have what you do because of the Lord. Amen? Wait a minute, preacher, but I work hard for my money. Yes, you do. That's, God allows you to do that. He gives you the breath to do that. Amen? He gave you the job. He gave you the work. The Lord provides that. See, ultimately, he's the one who supplies what we need. I'm here to tell you this morning, friends, God cares about his people. Amen? He cares for you. He cares for us. He cares about his people. He supplies what we need. He supplied Paul with the care that he needed through the people of God. I could stay, stand up here and tell you many, many stories in our own life, uh, Angie and I, throughout our ministry, how God has provided for us with what we needed at just the right time by God's people. Maybe that would have been money, or maybe that had been a prayer, or maybe that had been a word of encouragement or a hug, whatever it may be. God knows what we need when we need it, and he puts the people in our pathway to take care of us who are living for Jesus Christ and loving him with all of our heart. Amen? He does that. He cares for his people. You know, the Bible uh, tells us uh, in Matthew 6, 31 and 33, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows. The Lord knows what you need. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek after him and his righteousness and following him and doing his kingdom work, and he will provide what you need. You know, I love the story. You probably heard the story. In the late 1800s, there was a great man of faith by the name of George Mueller who operated an orphanage, among many other things. And at one time, this orphanage had a 1,000 orphans in it. And one morning, there was no food to eat in the orphanage, but George Mueller called all the children and the staff together. And as he called the staff and the children together, they sat down at the table where there was no food, and he began to pray, thanking God for the provision, even though there was nothing there on the table. And just a few minutes later, after he said amen to that prayer... There was a knock at the door, and it was the baker, and he told Mr. Mueller that God had led him to bake bread the night before and to give it to the orphanage. But that wasn't enough. God knows his children need more than just bread. So before the bread was given to the children, the next knock at the door was a milkman, and the milkman's truck had broken down, and he wanted to give the milk to the orphanage. I'm here to tell you, friends, that God cares about his people. He's a prayer-answering God as well. Amen? He gives the abundant care. He provides the supplies in which we need. The Lord supplies us with abundant care. May we know of his care for us. May we never take that for granted, but to understand that God cares for you and cares for all of us here. And then may we also seek to be allowed to be used by him to care for other people. May we be like that that baker who God is willing to, to let us be used for him to help people who are in need, whatever the case may be, to be used of God for his glory. 
Secondly, we see not only does he give abundant care, but he gives absolute contentment. In verses 11 and 12, we see these words. It says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I love this passage of Scripture. My mind always goes back, and I think you've heard me tell this before, but I love it so much, I'm going to tell it again, all right? Uh, So when I think about this passage of Scripture where it says, you know, then whatever state I am to be content. I've learned whatever state I am to be content. About 11 years ago, Angie and I were on sabbatical with the kids, and we were running. Uh, we flew out to Colorado, and we went to Colorado and Wyoming, different, different places, and, and kids were getting a little bit grumpy. Uh, I don't know if that happens in your house or in your cars when you're driving along. Uh, but as we were moving along, the kids were getting a little bit grumpy, and, of course, Angie and I were doing great. No, no grumpiness there, I'm sure. But Angie came up with the idea that this is the verse that needs to be the the motto, that whatever state I am, to be content. So whether we're in Ohio or Wyoming or Colorado, whatever state I'm in, to be content. And hopefully uh, you can take that and use it sometime when you're traveling as well. But Paul says, not the state when we think about a state, but the state of the circumstances. No matter what I'm facing in the circumstances of life, Paul says, I have learned to be content. No matter what I'm facing in my life, I have learned to be content. Now, as we say that, we hear that, we understand that about the Apostle Paul. Remember where Paul is? Paul is in prison right here, writing this letter to the Philippians. In prison because of his faith in Jesus Christ. So here he is, he, and he has found contentment. But in our world today, many struggle to find contentment. Some seek to find contentment in their jobs. Some seek to find contentment in their families. Some seek to find contentment in their income or in their positions in life. But all of those places of contentment are places of self-sufficiency, and they will not last. You see, Paul did not find contentment in those kinds of places. No, Paul found his contentment, as we read in this passage of Scripture, that all those things are lost to him. He found his contentment in one place. It was found in Jesus Christ. But what we find here is that Paul is a good student. Notice he said he learned to be content. He learned to be content. Where most of us would fret, Paul is not complaining, even though He certainly could be complaining, as we would put it in our own thoughts, in our own minds. But he doesn't complain. He's learned to be content. Well, where did he learn? Where was he a student? He learned in the school of difficulty. That's where he learned. Amen? He learned in the school of difficulty. Paul had not always known contentment. And, beloved, we don't always know contentment. And we learn how to be content when we we go through the school of trials and difficulty. Paul had gone through many trials to find contentment in the school of difficulty. And here's what he found in the school of trials. He found that his dependence on the Lord brought contentment. Y'all with me? I just really don't think y'all with me this morning. Come on now. I said that he said that he believed that his dependence on the Lord brought great commitment, contentment. Amen. Now, he, the Lord, this is what we need to know. What Paul knew, we need to know. The Lord always satisfies. The Lord always satisfies. He supplies us with a content satisfaction. Now, had Paul depended upon himself for his satisfaction, he would have certainly been discontent. 
I mean, after all, if you think about it, when you think about his life, that if you were to seek to measure Paul's life according to today's standards, we would have considered him a failure. Now, you just think about it. He had been successful in his business. He had a good background, and he was even moving up in positions of importance. But then something happened in his life, and he has no source of income now. Friends likely deserted him. He becomes a tent maker. He moves from place to place, constantly causing trouble wherever he went, ends up in prison, chained to a prison guard, and he writes this letter to the church of Philippi. I mean, when you just look at it from the outside, man, that's not a successful man at all. Why should he be content? That's quite the success story, don't you think? Well, you don't want to miss the rest of the story. His contentment was not found in the things and the circumstances of life. His contentment was found in Jesus who saved and changed his life. You see, he may not have had much, beloved, but he was rich. Amen? He may, not, he may have been chained to a guard, but he was free. And he may have been, had every reason in the world to be depressed, but he was filled with joy because he was content. You see, it wasn't about the money or the amount that he had received. His, content, his contentment was found in the Lord who supplied what he needed. He had been cold. He had been hungry. He had been destitute of the necessities of life. He traveled many miles. He'd been in prison. He'd been beaten. But yet here we see Paul, the man who sings in prison and rejoices while he's beaten. And when they leave him for dead, he gets up and goes back into the city to tell them more about Jesus. And he's content. How is that? It's because of a man named Jesus. It is Jesus that he knows. He knows this Jesus Christ. He knows him fully. Jesus is not just some name, but Jesus is real to him. He knew Jesus had suffered much more for him on the cross than he would ever suffer for Jesus. And he loved him so. Paul knew that Jesus went to the cross to restore his broken relationship with his creator. But he counted it all joy to live for the Lord Jesus and to suffer for him who had suffered so much for him. And it was his love for the Lord Jesus that brought about the contentment in his life. The, the Lord Jesus made him content. That's where his contentment was. As he was restored to a right relationship with the Lord, there's contentment. Regardless of his circumstances, he had a contented mind and perfect peace in his heart. You see, friends, listen. It isn't. It's never about the things of this world or how wealthy you are or having a great season right now or going on vacation. Those are things that, that we may strive for, but they ultimately will not bring contentment. Contentment comes through knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. Y'all with me this morning? Amen. That's where contentment is found. I love the story of the, of the pilot who was flying over the Appalachian Mountains. And every time he'd fly over the Appalachian Mountains, he would peer out the window and look over this certain spot. 
his co-pilot, after several times of this happening in his flights, and the co-pilot says, hey, man, you know, I always see you looking. When we get to this spot in, in the Appalachian Mountains, I see you looking over. What's the deal with this place that you're looking at? And the pilot turned to the co-pilot, and he said, hey, you see that stream down there? He said, yeah. He said, when I was a kid, I used to sit down there by that stream on a log, and I would fish. And I'd look up in the sky, and as I'd look up in the sky, I'd see airplanes going over. And I'd look up, and I would wish that I were flying. And now as I look down, I wish I were fishing. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You see, friends, it's always tempting to think that there's something better. Somebody has it better than we do. There's something that we can do better. That There's a little more that will make me happy. A little more of everything and anything would be fine, and I'll find contentment there. But, beloved, listen. Contentment cannot be achieved by increasing your possessions or your positions. Because nothing, listen, nothing will ever be enough. Nothing. But Jesus is enough. Amen? Jesus is enough. He is enough. He is so real to us. He loves us. He walks with us. He supplies what we need. He supplies that contentment. He gets us through life. Amen? When there are trials and difficulties, He is there for us. Jesus is enough. When you know him as Lord and Savior of your life, you know that he is enough. When you walk with him, you know that he is enough. So let me ask you this question. Do you have that contentment? Do you know him as the Lord of your life? For he does supply abundant care and absolute contentment and thirdly, the abiding confidence. And look at verse, verse 13 what Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Chances are you've probably memorized that verse only second to John 3.16. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But what typically happens in our lives is that we like to put the emphasis on the first part of that verse. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But in reality, friends, as Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians, we see that that is indeed not the emphasis of what that verse is. The verse is not on, I can do all things. But the emphasis is on, through him who strengthens me. Amen? It is Jesus Christ who gives us strength. It is he who is the one who empowers me. You see, Paul knew that his strength did not come from himself. The strength was not him. It was within him as a believer. So what do you mean by that? Well, as a believer, the Holy Spirit lives within us. In Ephesians 3.16, it says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. As the Holy Spirit lives within you, he gives you the strength that you need. That strength gives us confidence as we live our lives out for the Lord Jesus Christ. So the strength and the confidence to endure that Paul had came from the abiding presence of the Lord in his life. The Holy Spirit within him 
is the supply of the Lord for the abiding confidence that we need as we talk to people about Jesus, as we deal with the issues of life, as we continue to live that life above the fray to point people to the Lord, to know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Paul knew that he could, listen, Paul knew that he could endure any trial, deal with any persecution, do whatever the Lord commanded because he knew that it was the Lord who strengthened him. He had this abiding confidence in the Lord who gave him strength. Listen, he had no confidence in his body. He had no confidence in his mental ability. He had no confidence in fellow believers because he knew that they would not always be faithful and sometimes they would fail. Now look, we need to understand, we just need to come to grips with something this morning, all right? We're not to have confidence in this old body, in our bodies. Because I'm here to tell you as a 52-year-old man, your body will fail you sometime, amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And it is failing. Also, our mental ability. We can, we can quote some of the best scriptures. We can quote off some things that we have heard on a podcast or in a book. But even our mental ability, we cannot always count on it because sometimes it will fail us. Our closest friends, as much as we love them, our closest family members, as much as we love them, there are times when they're not going to remember that they have an appointment with you. They, don't, they may not remember things that they need to do for you, and they will fail you. But I'm here to tell you that there's one who never fails us, and his name is Jesus. Amen? We can count on him. Psalm 118, verse 8 and 9 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes, it says. You see, Jesus is our confidence. He has an abundant supply for us. See, Paul knew what we need to know. In Christ, he could endure. In Christ, he could continue. In Christ, he could face struggles. In Christ, he could have confidence because he is the one who strengthened him. And he's the one, listen, who strengthens us. You see, friends, listen. Understand that the Lord knows you. You believe that? And the Lord knows the care that you need and that I need. The Lord knows the contentment that we need. He knows the confidence that we need. The question is, do you trust him to supply those needs in your life? Do you trust him to supply you with the needs that, that are the cares of life? Do you, do you trust him to supply you with the contentment? Do you trust him to supply you with the confidence? I mean, after all, listen, if he can provide water from a rock, and if he can provide manna for millions of Israelites in the wilderness, and if he can provide dry ground through a parted Red Sea, and if he can provide enough food to feed 5,000 with loaves, a small number of loaves and fishes, if he can provide a calm sea in the midst of a storm, if he can provide sight to a blind man, and if he can provide life to a dead Lazarus, beloved, don't you think that he can provide for your need today? I mean, after all, he is the same God, right? He's not lost not one ounce of his power, not one grain of his knowledge, nothing. He is the same God who cares about you and cares about me. Praise God, amen, for who he is. Listen, 
He has looked ahead and he knows what you need. He knows you now. He knows you tomorrow. He knows you yesterday. He's not surprised by your need of care at this moment. As a matter of fact, he knew that you probably needed to hear this message today. Amen? Right? I mean, I didn't know. He knows. He's not surprised by your need of care, your need of contentment, your need of confidence. Beloved, he will supply and he will provide for your good, but for his glory. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? I mean, I really want to claim that. I really want to believe that in my heart today. I really want to trust that with all my life. Well, here's how I know that. It's because he has already provided the supply of your greatest need. He's already provided with that which you, is your greatest need. He has provided the way for you to be saved. He's provided the way for you to be restored to a right relationship with your creator. That's your greatest need. He supplied, fourthly, the amazing grace of Christ Jesus. Verses 19 and 20 and verse 23 also says, And my God, and my God, Paul says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. In verse 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Paul started this letter with grace. He ends this letter with grace. Because the grace of God through Jesus Christ has changed Paul. Has it changed you? It's about the grace. The amazing grace of Christ Jesus. Paul is letting the church know that the Lord will supply their need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We see that same message for us, that all that we need is found in Jesus. All that we need is found in Jesus. And he supplies our need, our every need, through his marvelous, matchless, wonderful, beautiful, bountiful, amazing grace. Amen? Listen, it's grace because we do not deserve his supply. We deserve nothing. We, like Paul, do not deserve his care. We don't deserve his contentment. We don't deserve his confidence. We do not deserve to be saved from perishing, but we, and we do not deserve to be spared from hell. Why is that, Pastor? It's because we are all a disobedient, rebellious, disloyal, unforgiving, prideful, evil-hearted people. That's who we are. Because of sin. But our God is a God of grace who loves us, His creation. He's our Creator. And He has provided the supply in which we need. He looked ahead, if you will, and has provided for our greatest need in that He sent Jesus, His Son, to be our Savior, to die on the cross in our stead. That's what God has done for us. And now he has supplied us with richness. The riches he speaks about here means the abundant fullness, possessing all things, inexhaustible supply above anything we could think or ask or hope for. As we think about the riches that we have in Jesus Christ, listen, I am not talking about your new boat. I'm not talking about your new golf clubs or your new handbag. I'm not talking about money or things. Your need, what you think you need, God knows you have a greater need. Amen? He knows our greatest need. Your need may not be what you think it is. Here's our greatest need. Ephesians 1, 7, we see how it's our need and what, how it's been met. In him, that's in Jesus, 
in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. This is our greatest need, to be redeemed, to be paid for, our sins to be atoned for, to have forgiveness of our sin, to be made right with God, to be, be restoring that relationship with him, to be holy as he is holy, to come into his presence, to come back to that relationship with our creator. That's where contentment is found. That's where confidence is. That's where our greatest supply is for, for, from the Lord to us. He supplied Paul's need. He supplied the Philippians' need. He, beloved, he supplies your needs. He knows, listen, he knows where we were in our lives and what we needed. Y'all follow him, right? Y'all follow that? And he knows where we are now and what we need. You see, he knows our need and he provides. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, we know that we have shame, but he provides cleansing. We have guilt, but he provides innocence. We have wrath, but he provides blessing. We have brokenness, but he provides healing. We have hunger, but he provides fullness. We have loneliness, but he provides friendship. We have desperation, but he provides satisfaction. We have weakness, but he provides strength. We have weakness. We have uh, separation, rather. We have separation, but he provides restoration. We have poverty, but he provides richness. We have death, but he provides life. And it is all through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All through Jesus. The supply is a gospel supply because of what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. He has given us hope. Because of his love for you, he supplies you with abundant care, absolute contentment, abiding confidence, and it's through the amazing grace of Christ Jesus. Three things to do. Number one, receive his grace. Receive his grace. Be restored to the right relationship with God. He presents himself to you. He comes to you and says, here is the answer that you need to have healing. Here is the answer you have to have fullness, to have restoration, to have life, to receive his grace. Let me ask you a question. If you had been one of those people who, whose house was flooded and the floods would have come in and swept away all of your furniture and swept away your walls from, you know, and just made a decimated your whole house. And somebody was to come to you at your door, knock on the door, and seize the mess in which you're in, and you recognize you can't do anything on your own, and somebody comes to your door and says, I'm going to fix your whole house. Matter of fact, I'm going to make it better than it was. I'm going to give you a new place, a new place to live. It'd be kind of crazy if you to say, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. I think I can handle this all by myself. But that's what a lot of people do when they reject the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, sin washes us and makes us so that we are filthy and wretched. And Jesus comes and says, I want to make you new. You say, no, I can do this by myself, Lord. No, I can make you new.
receive his grace. We do that by acknowledging that we're sinners and need him to save us. We turn from our sin and turn to Jesus Christ, believing with all of our heart that he is the Son of God who died for us on the cross, who rose again bodily from the grave, and profess him as the Lord and Savior of our lives. As we trust him by faith to save us, he comes in and he makes us new. He transforms us and gives us hope. Receive his grace. Secondly, if you've already received his grace, you already know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, then receive his resources. He is there to help you. He is here to walk with us. He's not a divine Santa Claus that we only call when we have a list of things we want him to do for us. No. The resource is that he is our supply for day-by-day living. To find the contentment, to find the confidence every day, to endure the trials, to be the faithful witnesses, to live it out. Just as Paul told us in this letter, and as the Holy Spirit empowered him to write that letter for us, we find that that living the life of following Jesus is, is having humility, following the example of the Lord, the servanthood, having joy, having no worry, not to worry, be anxious for nothing, and to be unified. And so we find our resources are in the Lord. So receive his resources. They are there for us. I can't, can't help but to think about trees. That we've seen a lot of trees that have been down, and we see the roots, roots that stick up, and it reminds us that a tree gets its, its resources from down deep. Amen? A tree get its, gets its resources as it goes deep and, in the root system. And so we, too, are to gain our resources as we dig deep with the Lord, spending time with Him, getting into His Word, and hearing from him, and there's, as we walk with him and talk with him, we receive the resources that we need to live the life. It is the supplies that is abundant for us. Receive his grace, receive his resources, and then thirdly, receive his rewards. Out of a love for him, the Lord may give you opportunities to give sacrificially of your resources for the glory of God. And as you do, know that he rewards those who are faithful. Receive those rewards from it as you are faithful to the Lord. Friends, wherever you are in your walk with the Lord Jesus, know that we have a God who cares about us. Receive the supply that only he can bring, the abundant care, the absolute contentment, and the abiding confidence. And if we have amazing grace, if we know the amazing grace of Jesus, then we have all those things. Let's live that out. Let's pray. Father, may you have your way in all of our hearts and our lives this morning. May you guide and direct us to be the people of God you want us to be. Lord, as we trust you, as we walk with you, and know that we can do all things through you who strengthens us, that it's in you and not in us. Lord, you provide everything that we need in life, that everything around us may seem to be things that we're striving for, but we recognize they're never enough. You are always enough. And so, Lord, maybe there are those here today who just need to recommit their hearts and lives to you to remember that you're enough, that you're always enough, and that, Lord, you provide. And so, Lord, may you guide us and direct us to yield our hearts and lives to you, whatever's going on in our hearts and lives today. Lord, that we would trust you by faith to provide all that we need for your glory and for our good. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to come this morning and pray with one of the pastors, we'll be here at the front. You're welcome to come and pray. Or if you to come and just pray silently here at the altar, you come. Whatever God's dealing with you about, you come as we sing together.